For this week, I had the pleasure of talking to Dominic Escoffier, the former head of virtual reality and NVIDIA in the Mai region. Uh, the Mai region constitutes Africa, Middle East, Asia, Europe, and India. <laughs> uh, so if, if you have a question regarding virtual reality, Dominic's your guy. And it's just a, just a massive topic if you just take a moment to think about it. It's, it's a very concept of reality and... Of course, we, we get into the current state of virtual reality and how the industry is calling it more of an extended reality rather than just virtual reality because it expands on our reality. Everything that we're doing right now, we're going to be able to construct worlds that we've never seen before and the applications of that, it's just insane. So we talk about the philosophical repercussions of virtual reality and Dominic gives us the current state and the possibility of, of where it's all going. And he's seen it from, you know, Dominic's been aware of it for such a long time and he's seen it coming and it's it's coming really soon and it's here already and we'll see that now. And that's what his mission was the past seven years. He's wanted to, to share his passion of virtual reality with everyone else around him to get them to be aware and appreciate it as much as he does. Uh, and it's it's so nice to see this passion, you know, he's a brilliant guy that's just at it and that's just lovely to see and he shares all of that with us. So for me, this was such a real pleasure. I loved getting to know Dominic. He's down to earth. He has like one foot in, in the physical and ten, 10 feet in the digital. <laughs> and he's just, uh, he's just so passionate. He's just trying to create a, create an impact tilting things in a slightly different direction. The one he sees is more likely, you know, one full of hope, full of possibility of what we can do with this technology to transcend the reality that we're in right now. Uh, so we definitely debate that, you know, I had a few things to say about that. But yeah, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into this. It's nice to have you here, Dominic. Khalid, it's my pleasure. Yeah, Dominic, what got you, what's, what started your journey into virtual reality? My work in virtual reality is very much uh, dominated by thoughts about, well, what makes up our reality, right? How can we, how do our senses work? How do our brain, how do our brains interpret all the signals, all the information that we get from the outside world? And actually, I have a, I have a funny story to share. So you, you already mentioned that I'm uh, the former head of virtual reality for the EMEA -E region at NVIDIA. Yeah. And actually, my journey in virtual reality started way before that. So in 2012, I had one of those experiences where I literally doubted my, my <laughs> own sense of reality. And um, that was back in the early days of the new wave of virtual reality headsets. Um, I had the chance. Um, so back then I was working in the games industry. I was working for a publisher called Rockstar Games. Oh, you worked made... for Rockstar Games, man. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I, I worked on titles like Grand Theft Auto V and uh, a little bit on Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, that's and, crazy. Um, I was, I was kind of, I had a, a professional life in the video games industry and through that, I had the chance to try a very early prototype of the Oculus Rift. And back then, it was very much a prototype. So it was a, a screen that was ripped out of a phone. Uh, they glued some sensors to it. They uh, glued some lenses on top of that. And then they duct taped, literally duct taped that whole thing yeah. to a pair of ski goggles. <laughs> so it was a very, very basic, a very early version of a virtual reality headset. And the meeting that I had back then where I tried that prototype literally changed my life. 
Um, so we might go a little bit into my professional life later, but I want to tell you the story of where I, I literally doubted reality. So um, the meeting I had was during Gamescom. It's in um, Cologne. Gamescom is one of the largest um, fairs and, and exhibitions for um, video games and digital entertainment. Mm. And when I, tried the, when I tried that prototype, it was in an off-site location. So it was in a hotel that's next to... Um, the fairground where Gamescom takes place. It's a very, very fancy. Um, it's a very fancy hotel. It's like a five-star hotel. It has a very, very fancy lobby. Um, there was a fountain in the lobby, so there was. Um, it was. It was a very surreal scene. Mm. And they had these. It's, it's hard to describe, but they had like the fountain they had in the lobby was made up of golden orbs, and it all looked pretty surreal. Yeah. And when I went. When I went in there, I was like, oh, this is a pretty fancy place for a meeting. So I go up there. I go to one of the suites where um, Paul Malucky, the founder of Oculus, um, showed me his device. And I can still vividly remember this moment. Um, the first time I, I put on the virtual headset, I was standing because I read, on the, I read a lot about it on the Internet. So my expectations were sky high. Yeah. And I also read that uh, standing is a, is, a very, is a better experience than sitting down. Mm. So... Palmer put the put the VR headset on my face and I literally my brain was literally doubting what it saw like it was so convincing to me that I wasn't I wasn't suddenly in a hotel room in uh, Cologne anymore I was literally inside of a space station on Mars and my brain <laughs> completely my brain completely believed this it was it, it was this was 2012 still this was 2012, so this is, this is the very early days of the modern virtual reality um, wave. And so I, I'm, I'm there, I, I play virtual reality for about 25 minutes. Um, one, of the, one of the craziest experiences I ever had in my life. So my brain was literally, when I put on the headset, I knew that I was go going to control the whole experience with an Xbox controller in my hand. But the yeah. first reaction that my buddy gave me, because I was looking at a long hallway on this space station on Mars, yeah. I was looking at this long hallway and my, my buddy wanted to move forward. So yeah. I, I instinctively took a step forward with my own legs, fully aware that I couldn't use my own legs at this point. I was yeah. only controlling this, this through the Xbox controller. Yeah. And that was such a powerful experience. And then later on, when I realized, okay, I can't, I can't walk here. I need to use the controller. Obviously, <laughs> um, yeah. I also had other, I also had other situations where there's a scene in this in this demo that I played, which was a, which was a Doom Three um, remake from John Carmack. He, yeah. he um, ported it to virtual reality, and when I, when I later on had an had an experience where I was standing in front of a deep, uh, in front of a deep trench, my body literally felt vertigo. So okay. the feeling of the feeling of height was really there. So this this device on my on my face <laughs> convinced me that I'm that I'm standing in front of a deep deep trench. Yeah, and just, gave just me, by having something on your face, your body starts by, telling the difference. Just by having something anything. on my face, just yeah. by just by something tapping into my into my visual system, essentially. Yeah. And the crazy moment when I really started to doubt reality was when I came back down into the lobby that I just talked about. Mm -hmm. So imagine this, right? I was for the 25 minutes I was on a space station in Mars. Yeah, you've already I, been to Mars. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Mars, and then I looked out the window and I saw this 
this crazy cathedral that that Cologne has. Cologne is one of the biggest cathedrals in Europe, and so this was all. There was all. It was also already super weird, like being on a space station or having the feeling of being on a space station, and then seeing the cathedral of Cologne. That that contrast was just was just mind blowing. And the real the real moment where I doubted reality was when I was going down the elevator. So um, I was the meeting was over. I was going down the elevator, and the elevator doors opened. And this surreal lobby that I that I just mentioned opened up in front of me, and it looked it looked it looked artificial, right? There's there's water inside of a lobby. It all looked pretty artificial, pretty fake. And for a very short moment of time, my brain was like, "Is this real? Is this thing reality?" Yeah. And I still very vividly remember this, where this. This, the, the patterns that I saw, coming back to the quote that you mentioned earlier, the patterns that my brain saw, they looked artificial. And because I was tricked only 10 minutes before that to believe that I'm in a space station, my whole sense of reality was kind of shaken for what I would call like half a day. So I was literally walking <laughs> around like, is, is this yeah. what I'm seeing? Because you make up reality from the things that you see, right? Yeah, of and course. Usually, usually you just see real reality. And then suddenly you see virtual reality and your brain still accepts it as a fact. And mm -hmm. the, this, this moment where I realized, wow, somebody can trick my brain or a, a technical device can trick my brain into believing that I'm in some other reality. Yeah, that was profound. It was very, very profound. And it literally changed my life. Of course. So, so then that's where you decided to continue your life into exploring virtual reality and, and making it, building it into the future. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, first, the first thing I did was um, I just wanted to tell many people, as many people as possible, really. Yo, guys, you can't believe what just happened. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you, you might know how this feels like when you're telling somebody about something you experienced. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to, to put that in words. Of course. And... Man. And with virtual reality, it's, it's even more profound. It's really a technology that you can't explain with words. And um, you really have to experience it yourself. And um, Chris Milk, one of, the, one of the pioneers in virtual reality, he, he said this in a very, very nice way during one of his TED Talks. Um, he said that explaining virtual reality with words is like step dancing about architecture. It just doesn't work. Like you can't explain architecture by dancing just as much as you can't explain virtual reality. Yeah, you have by to experience it. Absolutely experience it. You have to be it. And because like you went from an artificial world, you you were literally on Mars, and then once you were actually in the real world, as you said, like we can debate, of course, if it's the real world, but in yeah, a sense, you realize that the, it shares this artificial sense. It shares the artificial sense between what your brain experiences because whatever actually you absorb you're going to experience and i can't imagine like in 2012 you know seven years ago <laughs> i don't think that would have if i saw that seven years ago i don't know how i would react to be honest i think now i'm, I'm a lot more open to anything like that in 2019. yeah it's a it's a it was a crazy journey definitely and so much has so much has changed in those in those seven years so when i when when i had this experience i literally wanted to tell people about it because there's no there's no one in the world out there that had that experience and now seven years later people actually know what virtual reality is like i don't have to explain it anymore At they least, know yeah. the thing with goggles but back then it was literally something that nobody ever saw before yeah you're saying you use duct tape to <laughs> use yeah, yeah. duct tape on the goggles 
it was it was it was very much a very very early prototype and yeah i mean i i wanted to tell people about this experience and so what i did was a lot of things on the side essentially yeah trying to make more people aware of this of this technology that's coming and how how it will profoundly impact things like entertainment, but also mm. education, training, uh, science, a lot of other fields that can that can really profit. So I wanted to bring those benefits to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And so yeah. um, what I did is I started or I helped start a, um, a, a forum called um, the Oculus subreddit. Yeah. Uh, a platform called reddit.com so for those re uh, for those listeners out there that don't know it reddit is the traffic powerhouse on the internet if any topic has a place on reddit it will automatically generate more awareness it will get more visibility it will be just it, it will be a thing and so i put a lot of effort into growing the oculus subreddit and I was one of the I was one of the early uh, one of the earliest moderators. And back then we were literally a hundred nerds thinking. <laughs> and yeah, the, the coolest nerds out there. Oh yeah, if you ask me, for sure. <laughs> but it was it was very nerdy. I mean, we were dreaming about things that you could do with virtual reality. I, I one of the one of the um, earliest things that was mentioned a lot of times was, um, hey, imagine we could play Skyrim in virtual reality mm -hmm. back then it was only a dream but come come five years later now it's actually possible to play yeah. uh, skyrim in vr and it's actually a pretty good experience and back then it was just a dream like we were literally dreaming about things that you could do with with the technology and um yeah that forum that forum has grown into the largest unofficial community for virtual reality on the internet um it's really a self a, a, a well-oiled machine so it runs really well it's a good community there's a little bit of toxicity sometimes but hey, <laughs> of course it's reddit, <laughs> reddit it's gonna be <laughs> internet it's gonna be a thing that some people you know haters gonna hate and, but I, i'm very i'm actually very proud of the community we made there because in the early days like i said we were just a bunch of nerds and early early members of the oculus um of the oculus company so paul malaki was um, uh, posting there all the time and many many other people from the early days were posting in that forum so we were really like a core or a seeding a breeding ground for um, virtual reality applications and you know community mm. and I also did something where I thought about okay this is now I, I now we have this thing on reddit and it's it's actually running pretty well how can I make more people aware of what virtual reality really is and as I mentioned Virtual reality is a thing that you have to try, have to experience for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted people to have the experience themselves. I started um, the Virtual Reality Germany meetup group and organized um, the meetup in Munich myself. So to put as many headsets on as many faces as possible, because that yeah. way you re make people believers in the technology by having them experience it. Yeah. And yeah, that, um, that virtual reality meetup group later transformed into a European non-profit organization um, that was founded in Paris. Um, okay. So there was a, um, a European meetup of meetups is what we called it, where um, we invited people from all over Europe, meetup organizers from all over Europe to come together in Paris and essentially yeah, talk about issues that we have, talk about plans, get to know each other, do a little bit of networking. And through that, we realized that in Europe, many of those um, community builders had the same problems. Things like, where do you get budget? Where do you get speakers? How do you get access to hardware? All those things were, 
yeah, we all had the same problems. We all had the same issues. And mm. we then realized that a, um, an umbrella organization would help um, alleviate those problems. And so we founded a nonprofit organization called euvr.org, where I'm one of the founding members among seven other people from Europe. And it's, an, it's a nonprofit umbrella organization to help build the European ecosystem, essentially. Um, it's mostly for connecting community builders, but we also have a company map of um, virtual reality companies in Europe. So that way you can just look it up. Uh, it's a website, it's called euvr.org, um, where you can look up companies that are building cool uh, virtual reality applications in, uh, on the European continent. Mm. Okay, so this is you just you went through the entire history of uh, you're building a proper community. It almost felt like you were made, like creating a cult or creating a religion. Honestly, like yeah, these people have to experience this and they have to try it on, and they'll they'll, they'll be believers. <laughs> and you felt like it's your mission to make people believe, you know. And I, I think that's lovely. Uh, I mean, it's well, it's some it's something that I'm that I'm doing mostly, yeah. It's hard to describe. So the the example that I always use is, um, do you remember when you had your first your first smartphone in your hand, like an early Apple iPhone, for example? Yeah, yeah like you, you want to explore that as much as possible. You keep digging deeper, deeper and deeper and deeper. Like I, with my first phone, I just went into the App Store and I. I just downloaded as many apps as I could and I tried all of them to see like what the limits of this thing in front of me actually is. Was, yeah, uh, funny, enough, funny enough, when I had my first iPhone in my hand, the App Store wasn't even launched yet. So there was no App Store when I, when I had the first smartphone in my hand. And, yeah. you know, back then in the days, I would have loved there to be someone that took my shoulders and shaked them and said, look at this technology. It will profoundly <laughs> change people's lives. It will change the way we communicate. It will change the way we experience entertainment and games. It will change the way we write emails or we, we do productive work. Mm. And back then I, I, had this, I had this phone in my hand and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm going to get one at some point. But I never thought about, I never really thought about the profound changes that something like that could have. And mm. so I would have been happy for someone to really take me aside and and tell me dude look at this this is a technology that will change your life yeah. and will change people's lives don't you want to do something with it don't you not only want to experience it but don't you want to you know start maybe start a company or um get a professional get some professional input or become rich by making a flashlight app you know uh, those kind of those kind of things i would have been very thankful for somebody to tell me that back in the early days yeah. and now so you want to be that, that person now, yeah? I want to be that person now. I want to yeah. be the person that goes out and inspires people to be aware that virtual reality is a technology that will profoundly change the way we communicate. It will change the way we do productive things. It will change the way we work. And this is something that I, I kind of see as my, as my mission, giving back to the tech community, um, yeah, to make people aware that this is a... This is, it's a thing, you know, it's a thing. It will become it's a big, yeah. big implication and it will have a big impact on many, many lives out there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'm the missionary yeah, mm. that people. Yeah, once, once you have virtual reality as a standard thing, you know, every household has, has a set. I, I don't think space is going to be that much of an issue for anyone. You know, we're going to transcend the need to travel distances or go anywhere. You know, you can put on a headset and, and go to Mars, like you said, and maybe yep. at that point, instead of having to use an Xbox controller and some duct tape, you can actually move your leg, you can move something to 
to inhabit something else somewhere else to do what you want to do and and that's that's all a real reality you know you're gonna be able to experience worlds that we could like this this is this is the thing with virtual reality the more the more you go into it and the more you think about the implications the more you realize that you know maybe maybe at some point i'll be able to able to wear a headset goggle or, or whatever the technology is, is like and i'll be able to join gladiators in an arena where they they fight each other and the only only the strongest will survive right you're a gladiator in an arena but how how nicer would it be of an experience if you actually didn't know that you were playing a game, but you were just experiencing it as well? Then then your life is really on the line as as long as you think it's on the line, and you'll enjoy it that much more because the experience, knowing that you only have one shot and thinking it's the only shot you'll ever have, that's going to motivate you to really, really exist in that and experience it properly. And then you take that and apply it to our own lives and you realize that maybe that's actually all we go through, you know, different realities that we get to experience without ever being aware that that same reality is one and the same across all of those different domains. <laughs> so that's that's the thing, you know, the yeah, more you dig right. deep, it's... Hmm. It, really makes you, it really makes you think because, I mean, when you're... When I'm in a room with someone that uses virtual reality, I'm fully aware that their sense of reality is a completely different one from mine. Completely. And it's, it's a completely different... I mean, they're in a different world. They're literally... Their brain tells them that they're in a different world. And that really makes you think about, like, everyday life as well, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm right now outside. I'm in uh, Munich, Germany. For those listeners that, that hear a little bit of background noise, I deeply apologize, but the weather is nice and I wanted to enjoy this. Um, <laughs> But every for me, this is my sense of reality right now. But the people that are passing me by on their bicycles, they maybe have a completely different view of reality. They, within their own brain, they live in a different world. They might not be they they might not be as it might not be as different as when they are using virtual reality and they're on 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 Mars in a space station. But still, all the people that are around you, they have a different sense of reality. Everybody experiences it in a completely different way. Everybody thinks mm -hmm. other things. And, and that is a pretty profound realization when you, when you think about, yeah, all the, all the implications that it has and how, yeah, I mean. Yeah, the different I mean, number of perspectives. I mean, your, your, your reality and mine, they cross right now through wires <laughs> and, and signals that are being sent yeah. through the air. So yeah. our realities at this very moment, they cross. We, we, we kind of live on the same, yeah, on the same vibe, essentially. But all these other people around us, they might have a completely different um, sense of reality. And that's, that's, not only, that's not only how they grew up and what they think about life, but it's also things like um, colorblindness, for example, is something yeah. that has really... I, I've been thinking a lot about colorblindness since I've, okay. since I've tried virtual reality because everybody who has some form of colorblindness, they, see, they literally see the world in, in a different way. To them... Uh, to them, a red flower might not be red, or the grass might not be green, and that's that's something that's crazy to think about when you when we're all humans, right? Yeah. But our senses, yeah. our senses of reality might be profoundly different from the way we were up, where we were brought up, or the way our senses, or the way our senses work. Yeah, because our reality is limited to our, the senses that we we have available to us. You know, if you, if you look at a bat, for example, the way it it interacts with the world around it it's through echoes and sound and that's the that's the sense that it dominates its reality and its world 
through us it's more visual and maybe that's why once we put the headset on and we stimulate our visual senses that way then then we're definitely instantly in another world so we can look at it like that and we can look at different perspectives that people go through there's certain commonalities we have between each other and right now we're on the same vibe and someone on the bike passing by in front of you he's he you have commonalities with him you're in the same space it's the same yeah. sounds that you're hearing the same light the same sun but how he'll experience all of those, of course, is different. And he might not pay attention to the train as much as you are because you care about the listeners, right? You don't <laughs> yes. want them to be bothered. So there is commonalities and there are differences. And those differences can really change everything. I was I was watching this. I, I forgot who did this TED Talk, actually, who gave the TED Talk. But he created a vest that lit up certain certain ways like you wear the vest and it has nodes on it on the back that light up and poke you depending on the sounds around you so instead of sound being something that you hear it's something that you feel on the vest as a pattern poking into yeah, you yeah, i know what you're talking about mm. so the, yeah. the, for those people that have that that experience in that vest they are they are they are feeling sound yeah and, exactly and that's that's something that's that's, that's it's crazy to think about, and and um, I mean, those kind of things really show that we're we're living in the future. If you thought of, if you think about <laughs> the kind of technologies that we have right now, where you can trick your senses through virtual reality, or you can even replicate senses um, with uh, brain computer interfaces, for example. So one of the most interesting things I've seen um, for mm. a long while is um, a research uh, that went. Um, that was done in uh, the United States where someone was literally connected, someone's brain was literally connected to a robotic arm through okay. a wire. So imagine, imagine many of your listeners and, and you probably have seen The Matrix, right? Where you yeah. check in, you literally plug a cable in the back of your head and then suddenly yeah. you're in a virtual world. And I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not there at all, but we're, we're seeing the first glimpses of that, of really sci-fi stuff. And mm. the, the, the thing that I just mentioned, the study, um, it was, uh, it's a guy that lost, his, um, the, the, um, lost the ability to use his right arm through uh, by, I think it was a scuba diving accident. Mm. And what the, what the researchers and what the surgeons did was they um, put a chip inside of his brain, right in the, in the area, so inside the skull, okay. um, in, in the area that is responsible for moving limbs. Mm. And then they, then they uh, put a little wire outside and then they had literally had a connector back on the back of his head. And they, they use that connector to drive electric impulses on his arm. So his arm is completely, is completely stiff. So it, mm. he can't use the muscles anymore. Mm. But they've trained him in a way that when he uses that region of his brain to think about closing his fist, for example, or lifting his arm, those, those electrical impulses go through the microchip in his brain, through the wire, mm. to a system of um, electrodes that is on the patient's arm. Mm. So when he thinks about lifting his arm, an electrical current gets, um, oh, gets that's crazy. That's crazy. onto his arm and he can use his real arm again. Yeah. And it's, it's totally science fiction. And, and imagine this, they, they want to give um, the, the person the ability, or 
wait a second, I have to I have to come back to the second one. So there's another one that has a similar application where they where they don't connect the the chip in the brain to the to electrodes on his real arm, but to a robotic arm. So this is a female patient. It's a it's a more yeah. advanced version of stuff that I just explained. Um, and so they, she has two connectors. She has two connectors on her skull that go to a robotic arm. And that way she can also think about closing a fist and the robotic arm actually closes the fist and she can eat chocolate that way. So that was the thing that they, <laughs> chocolate. The thing they, they showed in the TV, in the TV show. Yeah. And the crazy thing now, coming back to, to replicating senses, they want to train that, elect, that robotic arm to be able to distinguish hot and cold. So they okay. want to have sensors in the robotic arm that tells apart hot and cold. And then they want to feed back that information through the chips that are in the patient's brain so that mm. she can not only grasp things, but she can also feel whether it's hot or cold. Mm. And that's when it's really crazy. Imagine this. There's just an electronic signal going from a robotic arm into her brain. telling Basically, her yeah, a pattern that her brain has to decipher and make sense of and that's what our brain yep. is really good at doing and they're making yep. use of that that's awesome exactly. and so we're, we're 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 very early in those very early in those in those kind of things that happen right now where yeah we're 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 living in the future and at some point in the distant in the distant future it will be it will be possible to completely replicate senses and yeah yeah that's the thing dominic it's that if it's possible one day to alter reality and make our own reality, whatever we want it to be, then that means or could mean that we've already done that and we're already experiencing that reality that we've put ourselves in. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have that loop that goes forever. And, and God. It's pretty crazy to think about it. And we're we're in the we're in the good old days, you know, where <laughs> yeah. the, 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 we still need robotic arms and we still need big virtual reality headsets. But at some point in the in the future, I strongly believe in a in a in a, a topic called or in a concept called transhumanism. Okay. Where um, transhumanism is when humans become digital beings, essentially. Okay. And I, I kind of see, I kind of see this this time that we have right now in 2019 as kind of the early signs of that. Yeah. So we can trick our we can trick our brain through virtual reality to believe that we're at a at a different place. We can get signals from a robotic arm to tell us whether things are hot or cold. These are very much early prototypes and, and yeah, but early it's a big deal. It's still I, a big deal as as early very, as it is. It's a very it's a very big deal. Think people become more digital, and I mean. It's already happening all the time. Everybody's glued mm -hmm. to their smartphones all mm -hmm. the time, right? We're mm -hmm. we have this con we have this conversation through digital means already. Yeah, yeah. It expands so, our capability. It expands what we are capable of, definitely. Definitely, Always. and um, it is it is something where where I believe this is just the start of a much much larger transformation of humanity. Let's just call it that way, because at some mm -hmm. point, maybe in fifty years down the line. Um, you know those, you know those um, surgeries where they, where they, um, where they enhance your eyesight. So mm. usually you have to wear glasses, but you can also go to a doctor. He shoots some lasers into your eyes, and then suddenly you mm. see better than you did before. Yeah. Imagine. I, I, never, imagine. I never understood how that worked, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know. It's it's pretty it's pretty nifty science. So what they actually do is they reshape the 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 form of your eyeball. So not, okay. not your eyeball, but the, the little yeah. lens that, you, that we yeah. have 
the on the iris. That's the the, um, yeah. the thing that they they essentially take they they reshape that lens so that it's it works like a normal person's lens would work. Mm. And now imagine this fifty years down down the line. You can go to a doctor. You can get that. You can get that um, that surgery for maybe a thousand dollars right now. In fifty years, it might be just fifty bucks. You know, you go there, Probably. you you yeah. walk the same day. Ten minutes. Bam, bam. Minutes, <laughs> you and you order it through Amazon. You just put it on your head for ten minutes, and then <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's done. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and now imagine, now imagine the next step. The doctor tells you that, hey, we have this new technology now where we can actually put a chip in your, uh, we can put a chip in your eye that also allows you to not only see sharper than a than a normal human ever could, but you could also have things like night vision or. Mm. Infrared and like everything, yeah. Or you know things that are really useful actually, like being able to see in complete darkness. That would yeah. be a huge thing for many people because it's more safe to drive at night. You'd be able to see. I mean, if you're living in a jungle, you'd be able to see predators. As but, long as I can turn it off, uh, like it's yeah, as long I mean, as I can turn yeah, it on and off. It's a chip. It's a chip. You can turn it on and off. Um, it's relatively safe. It's been it's been tested on yeah. many many people. Um, it costs five hundred dollars. Yeah. I think that a lot of people would do that. I think Definitely. that Definitely. if you can enhance your senses in a way that's safe and cheap, many, many people will do that. And I, I foresee a future where something like that chip in the, in, in the eye is easily doable. It's a, those, those laser surgeries that we do today in 2019, 20 years ago, they were crazy science, huge rooms, like it was a day procedure. It was yeah. super expensive now it's a very very easy thing to do and the same thing will happen with human augmentation whether mm. it's using an exoskeleton to become stronger um, using a chip in your eye to have better vision using a using an implant to have better ear hearing that's something that already happens right now so there's mm. a there's a um, there's an implant that's called a cochlear implant for people that hear bad that have a specific type of of deafness by having an implant in their brain or close to their brain, they can now hear like a normal person. So we're already in a society where it's normal to fix things with technology, with chips in your brain, essentially. And mm. just going forward, imagining the same transition that we had from these $20,000, $100,000 laser surgeries to what does it cost now? Maybe $1,000. And that kind of transition will happen with human augmentation of senses as well. For and at, sure. that point, at that point, there will be people running around with chips in their brains. And it will be kind of a normal thing for people to have. And once that happens, this whole what makes a human human will become yeah. like yeah. a very, it will become a very abstract thing because if there's some people that don't have it and some people that have it and there's many people in society yeah. That accept that this is something that just happens. I believe that that trend will become stronger and stronger and stronger. Where at some point in the very distant future, you might be able to replicate your senses by using electrical signals. Because, like you said in the beginning, your brain is just interpreting different electrical signals that are shooting through your body. That's and it, yeah. once, you, once you have the ability to replicate those electrical signals, once we understand the brain to a level where we can fake those um those electrical senses we can make up our own our own reality we can yeah, yeah so you mean in instead of a goggle you just uh, tap yeah. into the optic nerve and instantly just upload the image that you want the brain to see yep exactly 
And yeah. at that point, our brain won't be able to tell the difference because at that point, all the signals in our body will be replicated. So you will have, you'll not only see a virtual reality, you will hear a virtual reality, you will feel it, it will be cold, it will be hot, it, you, might, you might feel pain, you might feel, you know, the, 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 the breath of air in your face. All those, all those tiny little things that make up reality, like the train that's passing by, all those things, you could easily replicate them with a, with a system that's distant in the future. And then if you think the other way around, this is where transhumanism comes into play. If you mm. think this the other way around, if you're able to fully understand how a human brain works and what electrical signals and what biological and chemical and physical processes are involved, you can replicate those those processes and those signals and you can essentially become a digital being where your mind wouldn't be your those electrical signals they wouldn't be processing anymore in your brain they would be processing on a chip instead and that's but, something but you're still experiencing it somehow so it has to go through the brain still, you're still you're still well that's the kind of that's a, that, that opens a, a, a lot of <laughs> I mean, yeah. for me, my, my brain is essentially a very, very sophisticated processor. Yeah. It, it takes signals, it saves knowledge, it, um, it stores experiences. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, very, very sophisticated computer, essentially. Mm. And if you, can, if you can build a computer in the distant future that's able to replicate all of the things that my brain does, where's the difference? And that's where that's where that's that's the, the the concept of transhumanism is once you can build a computer that can completely replicate all human senses and all human experiences and you become a completely digital being, you could essentially upload your own consciousness into the cloud. So to yeah, see, see, like, like I'm, I'm okay with that idea, but the issue is, is that you're, you're, if you want to define what makes a human human, it's the fact that we have a lot of needs. You have things that drive you, urges, the things you need to do. Uh, whether you want to get get laid, or do you want to eat, or do you want to read a book, or any any of that, you have motivational systems in your head. You have dopamine. You have all of these things. You have warm. You have cold. Being in, in a computer, you're saying, sure, we can have people feel those things. But if you are essentially uploaded into the cloud and you're conscious of, of, of reality in that level, I think first off is that that type of consciousness, it's a mirroring of your own consciousness that ex it exists at another level, but it's not linked to the consciousness that's within your body right now. And through, uh, even, even if you are at that consciousness, you won't have that need. You won't have... You won't have any need at all. And being a type of processor or a type of entity with no need, it's very hard to argue that that's still you in any way. The motivations that drive you, all of those things, those are things we have to debate. And, you know, we we're talking about all of these things in, in that direction. And, and you talked about how if we have chips in our minds and we're walking through society and all of this technology actually becomes very accessible. You know, we're not taking AI into consideration and we're not taking genetic modification into consideration and how those branches are also growing in our societies in ways that we can't expect and how all of those are going to merge together somehow. To, uh, I hope society doesn't crumble at that point, you know, <laughs> but it's just like, sure, we can genetically modify so that we can allow spaces in our brains to add whatever types of chips we want in the future. If we're even capable of that, if we don't end up creating a fuck ton of cancers in our bodies that we don't control, 
And aside yep. from that, we have artificial intelligence that might be, you know, creating and mimicking those processes a lot better than we can. And at that point, do we really want to let go of what makes us human? It's a, it's a lot of it's a lot that we can debate, man. Because it's a it's uh, a huge it's a huge debate. It's it's and you're you're right on you're right on the spot with things like um, the needs that I what makes a human human, right? The needs mm. that I, I I need some water, I need some food, I need some I need some things. Those are all processes that are taking place in your in your body. So it's the the the, the, pro, the processes that are taking place there. I think that they could also be replicated. So once we understand completely how the dopamine system works, for example, because we don't know it at but all. That, right that's, now, that's you're saying you, be you believe that you could actually understand it completely. Do you really think that you can understand it completely? Do you really believe that we can reach a point where we're like, we understand every single connection in the brain and why it exists and how it exists and every other connection that it exists within? There's trillions and trillions of possibilities for how our brains can interpret and process things and the connections that to create within the, the network of neurons. It's not... Like as much as we understand it, the more we understand it, the more those connections are going to expand and find newer connections. Sure, we can we're, we can say right now that we exist between a mental and physical level. We can look at animals, for example, and say they, they exist at a physical level. We can look at tables and say they exist at a physical level. And we can say like, okay, we're at a physical level that's that's in balance within a mental level. And once that balance is met, we can try to make that into into the next level which is the digital you know and i i wrote about this actually and in, in the book i wrote called understanding intelligence i haven't i haven't told you about that no, uh, okay, I, I i i looked at intelligence i wanted to understand what intelligence is right and and i i summed it up as an optimization process that will continue to continue itself and the way it does that is by accumulating knowledge and experience and and optimizing it until it's basically one thing right so yeah. if, if you look at your body, your your brain is very different than your toenail and, and they're very different from each other and they're so far apart, but they're still a part of the same being, right? So so you have yeah. the many that are different, but still happen to act as one. And we have that within our bodies, we have that within our mind and physical body. Uh, yeah. they're, they're different, but they act as one. And imagine imagine optimizing our journey from a to b as much as possible to the point where a and b seem like they're actually just one point right so at the beginning um that laser surgery was uh, a building and it was complicated and it costs thousands thousands and thousands of dollars and it takes a day and now you just go to the doctor and maybe in a few hours he'll do it for you the the path is being optimized it's being optimized it's being optimized and yep. soon enough it's going yep. to take one second to do or you might not have to do it at all because they'll make sure that your eyes are actually perfect since the moment you're born and that po at that point a and b become one point but when a and b become a single point there's going to be another b that that gets created there's going to be <laughs> another b mm -hmm. to get yeah to. yeah yeah i know what you, yeah. i know what you mean you'll once you dig deeper you'll just find out that the hole is actually deeper than you thought at first you'll always continue you'll always you'll have b yeah. you'll have no matter what you know you'll continue so so that's that's the point okay we get mentally and physically aligned and then okay there's digital digital life that we can get aligned with too and that alignment is happening and then there's digital and who knows what's going to come after digital we can't until that aligns with everything else but at least that's the pattern that I'm I'm seeing right now. And if mm -hmm. we look at that, we look at how everything is branching out. 
genetic mod. I don't think because my my entire issue with virtual reality, and it's great that you're that you're the former head of virtual reality. Like you can tell me something about this because I'm I'm pissed at yeah. how so far virtual reality has been a very external thing, right? You wear a goggle, you wear you wear your headphones, or you wear a suit. You're feeding into into the senses that you have, but it's a very external. It's it's outside of your body, and it's it's affecting your body. But what I imagine virtual reality to be really is just being 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 an it being an internal thing, just mm -hmm. me being right. being in the world rather than yeah. as if I'm in the world. And that's kind of that's that's kind of what I what I what I laid out with the with the transhumanism. It's once we have the ability to do direct brain computer interfaces where you can literally not only externally change the way your brain interprets things but internally change the way your brain interprets things then it becomes then it becomes a whole new debate about what makes up reality because mm -hmm. if we realize that hey our reality is just electrical signals in our brain and we can fake those electrical signals what is reality energy uh, moving yeah energy is moving in our brains and yeah yep yep and that's that's really that's really one thing that i i, I really like talking about these topics because I'm, I'm obviously a futurist i'm interested in futuristic topics right for me yeah. for me the future is 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 bright like i don't see the future as a very dim dim place like many many sci-fi movies have yeah. have um, made it out to be you know yeah, or, you see the potential of projecting of it happen. to be yeah. and i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of negative things that can happen and and you know the whole debate about what makes a human human and are we really human if we just live in a chip those are all things that that are that they need they need to be they need to be talked about they need they need to be you know be aware of but what i also think is the the thing that really makes humans humans is because because we already like i explained already we already live everybody of us sees a different reality right yeah so the the, the way we perceive reality for me isn't what makes human humans human and the way that our that our bodies work isn't necessarily what makes what makes us human the 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 big thing that unites us all is the fact that we can't live forever and okay. the the fact that that um, that's the one thing that every human has the same right. No matter what kind of reality they live in, whether they live in Africa or in Europe or they come from Jordan or wherever, mm. what unites us all is the fact that at some point we will all die. And that that thought about you know that's that's one of the biggest dreams of humanity is becoming to transcend death. Or... To transcend that, to live forever, to become rid of our mortal bodies, yeah. and that is something that is for me is the is the profoundest positive thing with this transhumanism. There's a lot of negative things, yeah. a lot of things that we have to be aware of. But the fact that technology could at some point make us transcend the physical boundaries of our existence, physical boundaries of our existence. That's something yeah. that. That even even if all the negative things aside, that's something that really gives me hope, and that's something that that gives me, you know, calmity of the future generations. We might not live at all in our physical bodies anymore. We might live in a digital space all the time, but at least we don't have all the pains and all the sorrows that our bodies give us right now. Because if we if you lose a if you lose a family member to cancer, it's one of the most horrific things that can happen. And if at some point in the distant future we can we can get rid of that by you know essentially 
putting our conscience onto a different onto a different level onto a different medium so to speak not the not the physical medium that we have right now but a digital medium it's something that is for me is something that's profoundly hope that gives me hope for yeah. for you know the future of humanity like it's a nice it's a nice goal to set your eyes on i'm, I'm not taking that away from you but I, it, it will take away a lot of what makes us human because a lot of what makes us happy is is the fact that we can suffer it's it's these balance dualistic things that exist on so many levels within our systems that that give us so much meaning and that's that like when honestly when you said that uh, the thing that we share is the fact that we're going to die i thought that you were going to say the thing that we share is the fact that we all experience reality to begin with we, we all have a sense of reality but that reality is always going to be different of course i thought that's that's the one thing that you wanted to, to that's that's the similarity at least that I, I would say is that no matter what you go through, your experience is an experience. And even in death, there's there's an experience and there's energy moving and all of that. Mm. But uh, honestly, like, I don't know, I, maybe a part of me is afraid. Maybe a part of me can't it can't comprehend what it might mean, because for us, we we're we try to find meaning in everything. Just in, in me talking to you, you're creating meaning of, of my words, of my intention, of our relationship. All of these things are automatically being done in our heads and they're being done for very real reasons for our, our survival and all of that. But take that away, take all of that away and you're transcended and you have you live in a conscious as a conscious entity in, in a computer. What what are you going to experience? What's going to drive you? What's going what's going to create any type of meaning in your life? You know, we can compare your transcendent idea of, of becoming a conscious entity in a machine to the idea of dying and going to heaven. It's the same thing. If I mm-hmm. if I if I go to heaven and I'm in heaven, I basically have no needs. I'm basically a needless entity that that can get all the pleasure it wants whenever it wants. I have rivers of wine, I have women, I have castles, I have all of these things. But why would these things matter to me at all if I'm no longer human? What 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 would drive me to actually want to have a castle if I'm if I'm a needless soul? I wouldn't have need. I wouldn't have the urge. I wouldn't have any of that. So what is pleasure at that point? You know, you can you can argue that pleasure is just having a high level of dopamine in your head, or serotonin, or, or yeah, a, a million other th- things. Like you can take a hit of of methamphetamine or take a shot of heroin, and you'll feel that sense of bliss. But will that make you happy, like actually happy? I'd argue that it won't make you happy. It's going to make you feel good for a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's that's not happiness. So I'm I'm also very I'm positive about the world, and I'm I'm glad that you have a message that you want to share with the world. And you know, this is why I have midnight wisdom. I I want to share my message with the world because I I see us going down a million different paths that we can go down on, and I yep. feel like. We need to really be aware of that possibility and and just pay attention to the right things and move forward. And one of those things we need to pay attention to, obviously, is the fact that our very sense of reality is going to shatter very soon. And uh, we have to be able to cope with that ability to change. And and I I just 
don't know. I, I'm I'm positive about the future, and I'm positive that we can build and create. But I'm also very aware of the fact that everything exists within a very delicate scale of balance, and we mm-hmm. we tend we tend to fuck up the scale, and then fix it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the scale, fix it. You know, and and that's what's you know that's constantly happening. We learn from our mistakes and we continue. And and I'm sure we'll we'll screw it up, like we'll screw up virtual reality before we fix it or <laughs> something like that. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad again that you have that image, the positive image of of reaching transcendence. But uh, I'm I'm not sure it's something I want. The more the more I see myself attached to my phone, the more I see myself attached to any technology. I feel like I need to detach myself so I can be more physical because I am a physical being. I need mm-hmm. to be more with what's around me, with the people around me, with myself. And all of these things chip away at that. And I think that takes us away from the very base of what we need to be reaching, you know. And, and sure, we can get to be or we can get to see. But if we completely destroy the path that we've been on so far, sure, that might, you know, be like cutting chains that let us fly and transcend, or it might lead us into hell. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm again. I'm glad you're you're heading for that. But what I'm more cur- curious about is the process to which it would lead us there. And I'm curious about that. Actually, how much how much are you allowed to tell us about the technological developments that Nvidia is working on, and what what like what's the state of technology, the state of the technology right now, and how how they're actually working on it and improving it? I'd be mm-hmm. very curious to hear that. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I can I can tell you a little bit about that. I by the by the way, Khalid, I love this 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 podcast. How we're coming from a tech perspective, and then we go into deep philosophical topics. You have like to. What, you makes, have to. what makes humans humans? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Fortunately, we can tap into into generations of uh, philosophers that have already thought a lot about um, maybe their whole lifetime about what makes humans humans. And I mean, I'm here as a proponent of. Um, technology, I think it's a great thing, but I'm also very much a spiritual person at the same time. So yes, yeah. I'm fully aware that my physical body is something that I need to take care of, and I'm grateful for it. And it's a great thing that we've that we essentially are animals that have come to a place where we can intelligently talk about um, about all of these topics. So going going back to a little bit more of a tech uh, of a tech side to answer your question, um, obviously I can't tell you any things that um, are um, under NDA um, where I ca- just can't talk about it. Um, but I can talk about all the public things that um, Nvidia has done and the way they see the way they see it is that virtual reality and other immersive technologies like augmented reality, for example, or mixed reality, um, for them, they are really the next big computing platform. So that was one thing that I that, that was always mentioned in many, many talks, also talks that I did myself, is um, virtual reality, immersive technology, I'll call it, will become the next computing platform. Mm-hmm. So the way we interact with computers right now is actually pretty... Yeah, pretty preliminary, pretty archaic, where if you think about, it's very limited. I mean, we're using a keyboard to input um, words into a machine. We use a mouse to, 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 to drive a mouse pointer on a screen. These are all things that aren't, they don't really come very natural for many human beings. Um, for my good example is my is my family my dad and my my mom i mean they can use a computer right they can use they can use their phone but they're not for them it's a it's a it's a it's it's a burden it's a it's a barrier um for 
accessing a machine and virtual reality and other immersive technology actually is much much closer to how humans interact with their world because in virtual reality you don't use a mouse to drive a pointer you just use your hands if you're if, if you want to look at something that's to the left of you you don't scroll with your finger on a touch you look screen. to the left yeah you just look to the left it's a very yeah. very natural way intuitive, of interacting of very intuitive, very natural way of interacting with a computer. And because it lowers the barrier of entry, the, the, the barrier of entry to technology, um, that's the reason why immersive technology will become such a big thing when it comes to human-computer interaction. Mm -hmm. um, because you take that step away of, I have to type with my fingers on a keyboard, uh, instead I just talk to the machine. Instead I just look at things that I want to look at. Those are all those are all much, much more natural and much easier. So whenever I, whenever I, I have the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to show virtual reality to kids or to elderly, I don't have to explain to them a lot. I'm just like, hey, you want to grab that object? Just grab it. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's something that's where... That's amazing. It's it's great because it makes it makes things so much easier. And then um, with things like speech recognition, where you can just talk to a machine and it will understand you, those are things that that will really become very very handy and will profoundly change the way we interact with computers. And I strongly believe that in a hundred years, people will look back at mouse and keyboard and be like, "Why the hell? How did you ever oh, like?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the hell did you guys ever? How how were you okay with this at all? <laughs> But it's just—it's just a—it's just, a, just a, um, a a crutch, you know. It's just something yeah. that you use as a means, as that as a means, as a tool that helps you to tap into those resources that a computer has. And with virtual reality, this all becomes much, much easier. Yeah, you optimize the link between you and the machine. It becomes more intuitive. So, like by, by immersive reality, it's mainly augmented reality, right? Where you you look at the wall and the screen can be on the wall and you can put whatever you want on the wall. And then you look behind you and you put something up there and you can be an architect and build a machine, sorry, a building in 3D and go around it and start or by immersive reality, are you talking like properly virtual reality and, and being able to create through that? Or is it both? No, when I, when I say when I say immersive immersive technology, I really mean augmented reality and virtual reality. So yeah. essentially putting putting virtual objects into your mind, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, those kind of um, those kind of so immersion means essentially immersing yourself into a different world or um, creating, like you said, creating having a table there, and then with augmented reality, you just create a building on that table. You're immersing yourself into virtual yeah. and digital objects. You're and expanding so for, what's possible within your reality as well. Ex exactly, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a good point. So um, the industry right now is, is tending towards not calling, not saying virtual reality and augmented reality anymore. Immersive, yeah. But nobody using the 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 um, the nomenclature um, XR, which means extended reality. Okay. So you're taking the 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 existing reality and you extend it with virtual objects or digital objects, and so That's XR sick. is really 
what many people in the industry right now call our industry because we don't really make a big distinction between virtual reality and augmented reality anymore. They're kind yeah. of the same things on a different part of the spectrum. Instead, many, many people now use XR as the description for yeah this industry and this technology because um yeah it's like i said it's just the same thing on different ends of on different parts of the spectrum oh that's sick honestly like i'm i'm super excited to, uh, I'm, I'm i'm a gamer myself man like i grew up playing games uh, maybe more than you did and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, i'm so excited like i can't wait to like i'm i'm 80 and i'm retired and i i get to like wear goggles and and be be a gladiator you know fighting fighting <laughs> in the arena or or experiencing life and, and you can do that actually you can already do that today so there's an app called gorn which essentially makes you be uh, a gladiator so you have axes <laughs> that you can swing around you have swords and you have all kinds of yeah, i think i've seen it it's, i've seen it on steam yeah yeah, yeah. So it's a cartoon world though like it's, it's yeah. very cartoonish but yeah if you want to become a gladiator you can actually do that already if you want to become <laughs> Uh, if you want to travel to the moon, you can do that already. If you want to play Skyrim in VR to come back to that, you can do that already. So coming back to your question about the state of the industry and, and where yeah. we are right now, um, a lot has changed since my first experience seven years ago. So back in the days, um, it was a very crude prototype. The resolution of the displays was very, very low. Um, it only tracked the rotation of your head. So whether you look left and right, up and down, it could track that, but it couldn't, it couldn't track the position of your head. And okay. with, modern, with modern virtual reality devices, you can actually track the position as well. So, so vertically and horizontally, you get to move your head around in the space. Move your head around. You can crouch down, you can jump up, and you can even move around in the space. So the, the 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 kind of mind blowing experience that I had, where my body wanted to, my feet wanted to start walking, mm. uh, at my first virtual reality experience, that's now possible. Like you can now move around in a room, in your own room at home, if you have a consumer device like the HTC Vive or the Oculus Rift, you can just move around in your room at home, and you can even go crazier. There's an there's applications like uh, the Void, for example, which is a uh, product by Disney, um, where you can walk around in a complete factory hall so you're not bound to the to the wire of your to your pc anymore you wear the pc on your back and you can move around freely within that factory hall and you can do that with other people together and in 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 experiences like the void um, you actually have a physical space around you so if you go into that factory hall in real life in the void you'll see uh, styrofoam walls and you'll see um like heat coming out of a um, out of a, um, a radiator or you get cold coming out of a um, out of a, an air conditioning machine and mm. in virtual reality those things are mapped to the real world so mm. if you walk through a door in virtual reality that door is right there in the real world as well but it's not made out of you know space space stuff it's made out of styrofoam or out of cardboard and that way in the in the virtual world you will open up a door you grab the handle of the door and in the real world you also grab the handle of a door and open that door so you have a physical interaction and it's it's crazy once you once you use your hands to interact with virtual objects and your hand can really feel them because they're physically there they're mapped exactly to the same physical space mm. that's 
that really feels absolutely magical. <laughs> and then there's other then there's other parts of that experience where the heat that's coming out of the out of the radiator um, in the virtual reality experience, you're actually on a magma planet. So you're on a planet of lava and the heat of that lava is um, shooting in your face. And yeah. when you're standing in front of that air conditioning machine, it's it's not an air conditioning machine in the in the virtual world. In the virtual world, it might be like an alien spaceship opening where it's cold. <laughs> and those yeah. things, those kind of things, you can already do today. So the void has lots of locations around the world, and there's many many other um, applications that work like that, where you go into um, a physical space with your friends, and then you enter yeah the virtual world through those through those spaces yeah. and. Uh, Things like things like having your hands inside the game that's already possible. So you right now you have motion controllers, one for the left hand, one for the right hand, yeah. and you can, you can grab them with your hand with your normal hand, and then you have a sword in your hand, for example. So instead of having a controller in the virtual world, you suddenly have a sword or a gun or mm. maybe a surgical instrument. Yeah. I can imagine I can imagine escape rooms with. Uh... With this technology, void technology would be would be amazing. You know, you're in a with a group of people, and you have to escape the building, and the building is mapped onto the virtual reality or XR immersive uh, worlds that we're in. And then you walk into a room, and there's a dragon breathing fire, yep. and you you feel that coming at you. And and we get that mapping of hot and cold through our electrical impulses of a suit that we're wearing, for example, and we'll actually feel the heat by. Mimicking the electrical patterns into into our brains, and then have to actually escape this damn room with everyone. I think yep. that would be awesome. I think that's gonna happen and for sure. Here's the funny thing: it might not happen. It's actually already there. It's so there. Anything, yeah. Anything you just mentioned already exists. Yeah. So escape rooms in virtual reality are already a thing. There's a company called Exit VR. Uh, they make <laughs> escape rooms. And even the suit that you just that you just mentioned that mm -hmm. uh, puts uh, puts uh, uh, heat and cold on your body that's something that already exists. So there's a company from Russia. They make a suit called the Tesla suit, and it mm -hmm. does exactly that. So it mimics heat and cold. So it has electrodes that can uh, cool down or heat up, and it also does electrical impulses on your on your muscles. So imagine you're firing a gun, and there's an electrical impulse on your on your arm that tells you that you're getting recoil from the gun or you get hit by a you get hit by a bullet on the side of your body and that that the electrode in the suit that's on the side of your body will flare up will give you a little bit of an electrical sting that combined with the visual input that you have of a bullet hitting you is totally believable so those those kind of things when when someone would have told me 7 years ago when i had that vr <laughs> That these things will actually come within a decade, I would have never believed them. Yeah, yeah, but all of that in seven years. Imagine like another seven years. It's, it's ah. absolutely, absolutely crazy. And like I said, these are these are really the early days of the technology. Um, or the as 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 Michael Abrash, the chief scientist of Oculus, uh, calls it. These are the good old days. So what he what he he makes that he makes that um, he he compares it with. 
his time back in the early days of the video of, of the video game industry. So Michael Abrash was one of the people um, that made Doom back in the day. So Doom is one of the oldest games, one of the most well-known franchises in the gaming world. And Michael Abrash made that together with John Carmack. And 20 years later, they sat at a dinner table and they were like, hey, remember that when we made Doom? Like, those were the good old days when we were... We were hacking away in, in, in the basement and we were creating these virtual worlds. And, and back then, we didn't know that it was the good old days. Back then, we just did our thing, right? And he has a very, very inspiring talk about virtual reality where he says that the times we live in right now in virtual reality, these are the good old days. Like We are making the groundwork the things that people will look back at in 20 years and and we will in 20 years we will we will be saying remember that when we used the duct tape prototypes yeah. those were old days we and, have to use more duct tape <laughs> yeah and it's actually very very inspiring to me thinking about this that um if you're aware that these these are the good old days of the of the technology it's a very very inspiring thing it really keeps you going because yeah, I mean, we're the... Yeah, we're there's the, so much more more room to expand, and, man. It's just growth and growth. And we're, the, we're, the, we're really the pioneers of that new technology, and that is, is hugely inspiring to me, and that gives me yeah. a lot of drive and a lot of motivation to keep to keep things going. Because, like I said, the future's, the future's already here. Many of these things that people would have dreamt about 15 years ago, seven years ago, they are now... Yeah, they are now a possibility. You can already do them. And yeah, that's it's pretty cool working on the future, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I, I think it's I'm I'm a bit jealous. I have to admit, you know, like you get to say that you're you are constructing the the, the universe, pioneers of the future. That's that's wonderful, man. Yeah. I think it's 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 great that you're spreading this message like crazy. You know, like you have your subreddit. I think it has 180,000 people on it already. Something like that. Uh, and they're always just you know nerds just talking about technology. And you know how how we even met, I think, was pretty cool. I was uh, I don't remember the name of the event back in Amman. Um, I didn't tell you, but I, I broke into that event. I, I didn't have a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I went in and I I sat down with a friend of mine, and I I saw you give your presentation about VR, and and I think you were breaking a car apart. You you opened the hood and yeah. you started started looking at the engine, and you started. You were wearing the headset, and we we had what what you could see on the screen behind you. And you, you opened up the car and you started changing the parts and all of that and talking about it. I thought, I thought like, damn, you know, like, like for me, before then, VR wasn't something that you can, you c you couldn't physically uh, and actively interact with the world like that and, and construct it the way that you wanted to. And then I realized, like, oh, that's that's a possibility now. That's pretty pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, right now, and yeah, I mean, every everybody out there listening to this podcast, I, I really urge you to, if you have the chance, to try VR at some point. It's really, it's it's really a pretty profound thing. I mean, it made me think about what is reality and, yeah, and yeah. what will happen to <laughs> some digital beings. And yeah. I mean, this 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 thing only started with me like all those thoughts only started with me when i had this experience with this technology so again i urge everybody i urge everybody to try it because it's it's still the very very early days of that yeah. of that whole thing i want to i want to like call said, you like the virtual reality jesus or something you know like <laughs> you <laughs> i've been called a missionary for vr before um yeah. and i i mean i mean there's, there's it has always 
this you, you have to say that there's always also negative things about technology i mean there's mm. with every technology that has come and um, there's always people that are misusing it to a certain degree and we should be aware of that and there's there's a lot of i mean you can you can, you're literally driving somebody's experiences right you're driving mm. somebody's senses that's a very profound power yeah. that you so you, so you mean like you, people can create torture chambers where they put people in a room and then uh, immerse them into the world let's say 20 years from now you actually can immerse someone completely in that world and put them in a torture chamber they can exist within forever without having to to get out and their physical bodies are safe but they're yeah. they're, they're being being like i can see implications where you can convince someone that his wife cheated on him for example where he, he doesn't know that he's in a virtual reality and then he sees like an animation but but then it looks like so real that he can't tell the difference and and by the way like w let's say there is a virtual reality game going on and, and people are playing is it is it all let's say can it all be recorded so it can be viewed again so that other people can watch them play within the virtual game from a 3d perspective not the not the first person perspective that they're looking through yeah yeah that's, that's definitely possible so there's um there's different there's different applications where you can watch. So people people can spy on other people playing in their in their worlds is what I'm. Well, to right say. now it's right now it's it's something that you have to do um, physically tap in. You no, know, you have to allow it. So if if I want to allow somebody to watch my virtual reality experience, then there's an app that you can use, and other people can essentially watch me playing VR, just like a YouTuber would, or a let's like let's player. Uh, would have somebody watch them playing, you know, the new Super Mario. But that's something but th th that that would be from a first-person perspective. I'm talking like a god-like perspective, where you you can actually see everything in the world that that person is in, or is that not? Uh... That's also that's also possible. So okay. you can actually okay. switch between the first person. You can see what the what the VR user sees, but you can also watch it from so a from a third from a third person perspective. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine people hacking in at some point and, and invading people's privacy that way. Uh, I'm just trying yeah. to think of that, negative things that can, that can your, They can do that with your smartphone now, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So we're we're already in a world where where things like that can happen, and yeah, like I said, I mean you have to be aware of those negative things that could happen, and luckily we have things like Black Mirror that yeah. are showing those, <laughs> those kind of sowing the seeds, yeah. sowing the seeds, yeah, and, and and bringing out those ideas of yeah bad sides of technology, and um, there's a very good episode actually uh, on Black Mirror. Um, that goes into the thing that you just mentioned. So it's which one, the CSSR one, where they were in space and the guy made them his slaves and created different uh, no, consciousnesses no, no. for them. Also, that's also a pretty a pretty creepy one. No, I'm talking about one where there's a guy playing a super sophisticated video game essentially, and he can't tell the difference between is this real or is this fake. Ooh, I, I watched that. I watched that yeah, three or four like times. A, it's like in a mansion. He's in a mansion, and there's like yeah, 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 yeah. spiders and and yeah. he. It, it, it's really intense. Brilliant, like, really, brilliant, brilliant episode, man. It's, like it's I, I thought it was episode. God. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, there's Black Mirror also has actually happy episodes that have a happy ending. So there's one <laughs> called um, San Cupertino, I think it is. Um, oh, where... when, the, when the when you die, you get to go to to a time frame of your choosing and exist in this virtual world uh, exactly. as as a digital entity. And this was, this yeah, is yeah. for me actually is actually one of the most one of the best things that that or one of the 
the, the benefits of a virtual reality technology is. I mean, you and me, right, we're able to use our bodies, we're able to do sports, we're able to, yeah. to go outside and see the world, but there's a lot of people, a lot of humans out there that just can't do it. We're, we're like, privileged, for sure. Yeah. So we're pretty privileged in that regard. Yeah. There's, there's many people that are, you know, they are, they are confined to a bed in a hospital room, mm -hmm. and they can't, live, they can't live the life, and they can't see the world. They can't travel to Machu Picchu, for example. Never, ever would they be able to go up the thousands of stairs um, to, to, to experience this 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 world wonder right mm -hmm. but with technology like virtual like virtual reality you can get people that experience and that is exactly without spoiling too much without spoiling too much that is what that uh, episode of black mirror is about where there's people that can't do that anymore but they can do it with virtual reality technology and for me that is a very yeah it, it gives me it gives me hope that there's very b beneficial sides of using technology by allowing people to experience things that they could never otherwise experience yeah, i think the most beneficial thing and we we talked about this right before recording is the online education example is yep. that you know you can have you can have people in the poorest places in the world wear a headset and and I think like headsets are just becoming cheaper and cheaper you know and and it'll be much it's, it'll be much simpler to make it accessible for people to have the headsets and then any kid in the poorest countries in the world or the poorest places can have the same education as someone in Harvard and they'll be able to wear their headset and be in a virtual classroom where they can really do a lot more than they could even do in a normal cl classroom be able to build and construct and collaborate with other children and the professor stays there as a facilitator and what i thought about that i thought that let's say like you can have 20 kids in a classroom with a teacher and they're constructing and they're creating and they're they're learning and they're growing but at the same time that same class can be observed by and this is why i asked you if someone else can observe the virtual reality experience because it seems like it's this virtual room people exist within right and like like uh, like you know when a doctor is doing an operation you can have doctors that are still learning medicine medical medicine students or medical students they're in they're outside of the room looking into the room through class from a higher level and they're observing how the operation is happening and mm -hmm. I, I thought that if we apply that to a virtual classroom and you have like five thousand people watching a class of 20 people uh, learn something in front of uh, in front of them and and like the the learners the 20 learners can actually they they depending on their financial situation pay or not pay and the observers can just watch or pay an entry fee as well and and you can create workshops like that you can create you can create a million things like that and I think that that's doing something like that that is what's going to lead us to the hopeful future that you're looking towards is when we educate people properly and I think that creating the platform through which people can empower themselves like that virtually is going to create its infinite potential in my opinion you're allowing people to grow in ways they could never grow before and yeah. sure virtual reality can be fun and games are great and and I think the best way to learn is when you're playing with and you're learning without knowing that you're learning I think mm -hmm. that that's probably the best way to learn uh if we apply that in that context to the world and allow them really to grow like that, I, I'm just that, then then when change happens internally between every one of us, every one of us grows the way they need to grow and they understand the way they need to understand. That's when 
our society can go in a direction that I I, I would be okay with. <laughs> you know, that yeah. I would be like, okay, everyone everyone is you know calibrating and adjusting themselves to themselves and the world around them properly. There doesn't have to be like one leader telling everyone what to do. Everyone has their own judgment. Everyone is educated in, in a way no one was ever educated before in the history of humanity. And then humanity can properly evolve again on a different level to a digital level. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally on the same track as you are. I mean, the it's one of the biggest beneficial um, things for a technology like virtual reality is the the means to change education and to yeah, you know, make it more accessible. Um, actually, I've I've started an an initiative that does exactly that. So okay. um, I've I've done a. It's a little bit of a longer story, so I'm I'm just gonna. And how many how many initiatives did you start? Like goddamn. <laughs> oh well, I'm just, I'm just riding I'm just riding this wave of virtual reality. It's a yeah. it just kind of came it just kind of came to me, and I, I just, just rolled I just rolled with it, and, and that's, that's part of that's part of the, coming back to this original thing where where I'm the missionary. You know, I I want people to be aware that it's you don't really if, if it's something you do with passion and if it's something that really grasps you it doesn't really feel like work it feels like yeah just things that align you know and yeah. the this, this initiative was was born out of my out of my research i did for a tedx talk in uh, in brussels so i i had a tedx talk about virtual reality and i called it how virtual reality will create a better humankind and okay. i picked um, examples from science, from training, from health, and also from education. And I did a ton of research on how virtual reality and immersive learning can change um, education. And the, the reason why it has such a profound Im uh, implication is that, that there's like three different things that happen in virtual reality. The first thing is suddenly your classroom becomes infinite. So mm. instead of instead of just explaining complex concepts like rocket science yeah you can be within a rocket and break it apart and, exactly and, you can yeah. you can put your you can put your students you don't have to explain it in, on a on a on a chalkboard anymore you can literally put people on the on the controls of a rocket they can change the parameters and they can actually change the parameters in a way that the rocket will reach escape velocity mm. and those things are very dry if you learn them from a textbook but yeah. if you're if you're suddenly there um, things become like uh, your classroom literally becomes infinite. That's it's the, a that's playground. The you you can you, you can a, play and create and it's, it's, it's a playground. You can and you also do it in a much more engaging way. So the 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 study that I um that I mentioned during my TEDx talk uh, was uh, made in China and they compared traditional astrophysics lessons with astrophysics lessons combined with virtual reality and they found that um, the group that used virtual reality performed 27 percent better in the test if yeah. you did the test right after the lesson but if you did the same test two weeks later the virtual reality group actually performed 32 percent better than the non-vr group which so means they, that, they retained uh, the knowledge a lot longer exactly exactly yeah. it means that only, you're not only learning faster and you're grasping concepts easier, you're actually retaining that knowledge for a longer time. And now the best thing about that was, and that brings me to my second point, is um, virtual reality is much more engaging than traditional technology. So of those students that use virtual reality, 100% of them were more engaged. They loved using technology to learn things mm. in a playful way. Mm. And 
this means that essentially you got the kind of like the holy grail of education. You learn faster, re re retain the knowledge longer, and you engage your students in a more profound way. And that is that is that that that's the second the second big pillar of why uh, virtual reality will have a profound impact in in education. And and then the third one is you have access to the best teachers in the world. So you already mentioned mm -hmm. this. Suddenly everybody can sit in a classroom in. Uh, Harvard, for example, suddenly you don't have to have, um, you know, the bored old teacher that's teaching at your school. You can instead get access to the most engaging, best teachers in the world, yeah. and that's something that is that's something that is 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 a big big thing. And then on top of that, um, humans learn best in a spatial way. So yeah. just yeah, as yeah. it's this is something that's coming from from ancient like Stone Age times. You know, our brain mm. is. Our brain is very much trained to work in a spatial way around us. We needed to remember where the food sources are. We mm. needed to be aware of navigate always navigate yeah. the world. You know, find back to our home. Mm -hmm. All those spatial, this, this, these spatial processes. Yeah, they spatial have elements that you have to contend with always. Yeah, exactly. we're we're physical beings at the end of the day, and we exist in a physical space, <laughs> so we have to somehow accommodate. Yeah. Yeah, and once you once you bring once you bring complex concepts from a 2D piece of paper to a spatial experience that happens all around you, mm -hmm. different parts of your brain get um, get motivated to yeah. essentially, you know, store that knowledge. Yeah, memory so, just begins acting in a different way. It's like a mind palace because one of the memory techniques you use to remember things is create a space in your head that you can go through and and see the visual visualizations of the things in front of you and then you remember them and um, so just ma is, making use so, of that this is so great because that's actually <laughs> yeah. that's actually the 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 example that i always use to explain the spatial concept <laughs> we're on the same vibe dominic you know, the mind so. palace yeah we totally yeah. are this is, this is really great yeah. it's a lot of fun and um, yeah. the mind palace for those listeners out there that, that, that don't really know what it is um there's mind masters out there that can memorize crazy amounts of numbers or crazy amounts of objects and so the 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 things that they the, the thing that they do is um imagine so listener out there imagine you have a table in front of you with a hundred different things on it there's a book there's a little um rubber duck there's maybe uh, a gun you know there's hundred different objects and you have the you have the um the, the 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 goal of memorizing as many objects as possible and what these mind masters do to actually do that is using the mind palace method where they don't think about the the stuff that's on the table they actually build a spatial story so for example they go to their home on the on the stairs to their home there's the rubber duck they open the door and then in front of the door is a gun and then they walk up the stairs to their living room and in the living room um, there's a book and mm -hmm. by by creating this spatial story and um, the brain yeah. is, is much but, but better it's, at it's even it's even more complicated they imagine something more complicated than that it's like the duck is holding the gun to take the book from to, from someone else you know they create a proper narrative that they, they, they create a proper narrative <laughs> and a spatial yeah spatial story and that way they can remember things easier and that's the same thing happens with virtual reality once yeah. you are in front of a rocket you'll never forget that again and and yeah. one of my most one of my most profound experiences in virtual reality is an app called titans of space okay and it's an app that allows you to travel through the solar system and beyond 
and you are sitting inside of a space capsule you travel along jupiter you go uh, past past the moon you travel further into the solar system and what the app does is it shows you how big the different objects or the different planets in our solar system are and this is something that many many of, of of the listeners of your podcast might have seen hundreds of times in their lives before this diagram that shows or like a like a the, the diagram that shows that the, the planets size, in the solar system and, and the sizes of the planets everybody and everybody knows that jupiter is pretty big right and the sun yeah. is even bigger like you've seen it on a 2d piece of paper hundreds of times <laughs> and the first Time I played Titans of Space and I saw Jupiter in front of me was the time that I truly understood the size of our solar system. That's amazing. Because when I when I when I tell the story, I still get goosebumps and I still very vividly remember because yeah. it's a different part of my brain. It's a different part of my brain that memorizes that has that experience memorized. Like mm -hmm. I was experiencing it. And that's the thing. I wasn't reading it from a 2D piece of paper and I have this abstract concept and I have to uh, visualize it in my brain. It was already there. Like I have this memory of floating in space. And once you have that, once, you, once you're able to tap into those other parts of your brain to memorize things, that's yeah. when happens. Yeah, you, you, you create more relationships in your head. It's, it's all magic, really. It's... Uh... I it's crazy. It. I, I I really I really uh, highly can recommend that that experience. Titans of space. It's mind blowing. Like Titans you're, of space. You're, suddenly you're an you're suddenly you're an astronaut. Yeah, because because Dominic, I remember I remember the first time I saw this diagram was in an encyclopedia book my my dad got when I was like six or seven, and I and I I used to open it up and I used to look at them and like imagine someone who's six or seven that's actually going through space. Um, What's the app called again? Titans of Space? Of Space, yeah. Yeah, imagine them going six or seven, just actually seeing from that young of an age the reality of the world they're, they're living in. And uh, I, I can't imagine the, the type of development that can happen within a, within a person if they go through that. <laughs> you know, that, that wants me to, to go to the topic that I, that I talked to you about earlier, is that you know, if, if we do expose children to virtual reality at such a young age like that, I, I can't help but imagine how many psychological issues are going to rise because people aren't going to be able to differentiate which reality they're in anymore. And, and they'll, they'll just have this crisis of, is, is this real like you had in the, the hotel lobby? Is this artificial? Is this real? Am I, did I just kill someone? Did I not kill someone? Did I, who am I? <laughs> Where am yeah. I? What's happening? I, I, I know I, exactly, I can see that I know exactly happening. What you're talking, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And I mean, the same, the same thing kind of happens when we, when we go to a cinema and we immerse ourselves in a, in a very good movie, right? Yeah, yeah. For two hours, we're part of that narrative. We're part yeah. of, you know, we, we, get, we get to experience something that we would never otherwise be able to experience. Really? But yeah. luckily, we're humans and we're very good at telling things apart. So the moment... The moment you put the VR glasses on your face, your your brain is fully aware that what you're seeing isn't real. So this is this is something that yeah, it can trick your brain and can trick your senses. But in the end, you will always one at some point you'll take off the glasses and you'll be back to real reality, and you will be aware that the thing you just saw is is not real, just as the movie that you saw isn't real. And that's something that, that we have to be very, very aware of when raising our children is making them aware that 
the the type of stuff that you see in the media it's not necessarily real the 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 type of stuff that you see in movies it's not a real thing and i think we become we've 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 learned pretty well to raise our children in a way where we're able to tell them hey this is the the stuff that you just saw that was just a fantasy movie it's not real and the same thing happens with same thing happens with virtual reality so it's it's really on the it's really on the parents and on the on the older generation to make sure that children are aware that whatever just happened it's it's just something tricking your brain just like yeah, a good movie yeah. tricks your brain into believing but, but just just like just like a lot of people after watching superman went on top of a building and jumped because they thought they could fly I can, I can see, you know, like a lot of people can differentiate between the different realities, but I can see like people developing these problems later on, uh, especially when the technology becomes a lot more refined than, than it is right now. But hopefully we'll, we'll have different psychiatrists that deal with that type of uh, thing later on, you know. We make a problem, we create a solution, that's how... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of the way it is but anyway coming i'm um, coming back to the yeah. coming back to the education to the education mm-hmm. topic so um i've i've li- i've laid out why i why i had this all this research done right into mm-hmm. into virtual reality and education i i can and hear birds chirping around you i think that's really lovely <laughs> it's, that's the real, really nice. it's the real reality my friend yeah yeah <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty good to be outside sometimes, to be honest. Like even even though I love technology and I, I spend more time <laughs> to my phone that I would love to, I'm still very much enjoying, yeah, you know, just just being in nature, which is also very very important. And this is also so, something that that we should never we should never, yeah, you know, get rid of. This is something that even even if you're if we're in a place where we're in transhumanism and all the things that future generations will will have to cope with. Yeah, going back out in nature is also something that's very, yeah. very important. Yeah. Even for the a technology, sun, the, technological right? person like me, is it's a very important thing. It's, it's good. It's good that you're balanced that way, man. I, I I'm surprised, honestly. I think it's pretty cool. Because because I told you like I'm going to hot yoga in, in two hours and a half. Like we'll we'll continue your example about the research you've done for your TED talk in a second. But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I told you about that. I'm I'm gonna do hot yoga, so yoga in forty yeah. degrees. And I've never done it before. I'm, I'm really excited. But uh, when I told you about it, you were like, hell yeah, man. And, and you, I don't know what it's called. You you were like, yeah, I've, I've done it a few times. And I, I thought like, oh, I, I didn't know you were into, into yoga. <laughs> it, it, and it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm into what I would call bodily experiences. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going out into nature, um, doing yoga, you know, feeling your body is actually a pretty nice thing. So mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if that will be ever if we will ever be able to replicate that feeling and it makes us human so coming back to the original point um yeah being, being in a, inside of a physical body is actually not too bad but uh you know once we get once we can re- get rid of you know illnesses and diseases and and you know live 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 our life yeah. without any of those sorrows that's also a kind of a nice a nice thing to me yeah but anyway um Mm. The educational topic, just to really wrap this up real quick, um, mm. was I did a lot of research. I learned a lot about the implications and why virtual reality has such a good um, good benefits for education. And I thought about how can I bring this idea and this concept of immersive learning to more people. Mm. And so what I did is um, 
I thought about bringing this to, well, close to home, to Germany and to Europe. And um, I wanted the European Commission to be aware of, um, yeah, these profound changes that might happen in our society through technology like virtual reality. And um, I was in Davos at the World Economic Forum at some point, yeah. and I I met the European Commissioner for Digital Society. And you know he's a busy guy, so I had like five minutes to pitch my <laughs> to pitch my thing to him, and in the yeah. end he said. Mr. Escoffier, this actually sounds very, very interesting. I don't have the time right now, but here's my business card. And you have a personal invitation to build a group of experts and then present this to my commission. And nice. so I was, I was super happy. I was like, oh my God, I have this personal invitation. And from this, from this personal invitation, it took me six months to get a call with somebody in the European Commission. <laughs> it took another, this, was, this wasn't me like, doing this on the back burner. I was literally writing them emails every second week because okay. I was like, hey guys, this is something you need to be aware of. This is profound. It, there's education. There's so many opportunities here. And um, yeah, it took me another three months to get a, a meeting, but it wasn't a meeting with the commission. It was actually a meeting with like a very small group of, yeah. you know, a, a sub a subgroup of the yeah. actual that yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah. So imagine this, right? There's a young, passionate guy like me has a personal invitation from the European commissioner and he doesn't like, I, I'm just fighting windmills. Like it takes me forever. It's so, <laughs> so much of time to, to actually get this thing, get this thing going. And that led to a thought process in me where I thought about a, do you want to put your energy and time into, you know, fighting bureaucratic windmills in the European commission yeah. and he, I started thinking about, well, actually, the Western world already has a pretty good educational system. Like, we're already very good when it comes to teaching students complex concepts. We already have these nifty technologies and smart boards and all these kind of things. And so I thought that more the, the bringing this education to people that don't have that kind of level of educational systems would have a much, much more much, much higher impact. And okay. I'm a person, I'm very much driven by impact. So at the yeah, end of yeah. my life, I don't want to count the numbers, the zeros on my bank account. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather count the amount of times that I had an impact on other people's lives. Mm. And that impact of immersive technology will be much bigger in developing countries because otherwise they, th that technology will just pass them by, you know, if there's nobody yeah. fighting for that, they, they'll just not be the money or not be the, um, the, the awareness, the technology, the, all those the minds, things. everything. Yeah. That's, and that's when I started, um, a non, uh, an NGO called Africa.org. So it's, um, it's a, it's a nonprofit organization. So it's Africa with a VR, you know, yeah. Yeah. Very, very punny, very, very to the point, very simple, um, clean. I like it. Um, and this is my, this is my, um, my initiative to essentially bring that, bring those those benefits to countries where it actually. Yeah. Makes it. And how how are you going on about it? Oh, it's um, it's going it's going pretty well actually. So I've started it in um, 2017 um, uh, with very preliminary work. So I did a scouting trip to uh, South Africa and Nigeria, which are the two um, pilot countries for this for this project. Um, I've did I made a lot of uh, networking. I built a built a network of you know partners that I could work with, and um, 
in 2018, I presented it um, at a conference that was organized by the United Nations, which is called the SDG uh, Fest, which is the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations. So for yeah. those out there that might not might not know this, um, the United Nations have put out 17 sustainable development goals. And those 17 goals are fresh water for everybody, um, sewage systems for everybody, education, health, health. And education is one of those yeah. one of those SDGs. And you know, I'm I'm tapping into that. So I was I was very happy. I was presenting nice. this at the at the United Nations. So instead uh, of the European Commission, you were now at the United Nations, being like, "Yo, this is where it's at." Exactly. So um, I, I I had I had this. I was very lucky to be able to present there. So I had a early conversations with people that were close to um, the United Nations Virtual Reality Group. So you, it's called UNVR. They have an, an own little project that um, does virtual reality um, for um, fundraising and aware, building awareness for um, you know refugee crisis and stuff like that. Mm. And I had a. I had a, a connection to them, and they invited me to present to present this. And you know, right now I'm in the phase where um, I'm doing marketing and um, promote promoting the whole idea, and also fundraising. So because obviously, you know, money makes the world go round. I have to yeah. I have to find means um, to actually to move actually things run, around, <laughs> move things around, and build this on us in a sustainable way. For and sure. then. The future goal. So this is this is kind of like the phase one of of um, the project. Phase two will be rolling this uh, rolling this out and and getting more awareness uh, for it on the continent of Africa. And then the third phase, which is obviously a vision, the vision of this um, of this campaign, uh, is to build headsets that are specifically made for the African continent. So there's lots of things that you have to think about, like um, internet accessibility, mm. uh, power accessibility, and many, many other things that, that West, the Western world just takes for granted that mm. just don't exist. The, in, yeah, technological infrastructure that you Technological infrastructure. About. And um, there, fortunately, there's things like mobile headsets where you can use smartphones to drive mm. virtual reality experiences and looking at the statistics for smartphone adoption in Africa um, a couple of years yeah. down the line, there will be a broad coverage of smartphones in Africa as well. And those devices could allow you to do very, very um, preliminary or very basic virtual reality education. And then, yeah. like I said, the, the, the big goal in the end is to create a headset that's made specifically for regions that don't even have access to power. So something that mm. would be driven by solar panels, um, yeah, just 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 things that would make it would would make those things usable in the context of the African ecosystem. And this might it might sound like um, like a very visionary thing, and I'm very aware that this is a project that will probably be um, something that I'm working on for the rest of my life. So this is mm. not a that's that's, that's a nice thing to take on, man. That's wonderful, really. I, I mean, I mean, I, I, like, we already mentioned this. We both live in a very privileged situation, we right? Are, we, we are really. We are very privileged, yeah, and yeah. at some point, I realized that the 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 best thing that you can make of this privilege is, you know, give try, at least trying to give a little bit back. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
at least trying. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that that I'm going to change the world through this and blah blah. No, but blah. it's it's going. You're going to tilt things in a slightly better direction the way that you can. You're you're putting your energy in a place that you believe in, in a direction that you believe in, into people that you believe in, yeah. and all of that will create more energy. That's all yeah. it's going to do, and because of that, you'll live a more enriched, enriched and meaningful life. So fuck yeah, you know, you do you, man. Keep keep yeah. at it. <laughs> It's, it's, it's something it's something that I'm very that I'm very passionate about and like I said 100%. I I mean I'm, I want to do this I want to do this for the yeah this is a, it's a it's a lifetime project I'm fully aware of there's nothing you yeah. can do in a couple of years and the the you know this 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 big vision of having a headset that's that works on the African continent that's powered through solar panels um, I'm already prototyping this so I'm working with okay. my contact in Nigeria um, we're talking to Chinese manufacturers for uh, headsets that use very low power displays and very low power um, chips and then drive that through essentially a solar panel. And we've, we've prototyped this to a, to in, a, in a way that, yeah, we've bought solar panels, you know, those cheap ones yeah. you buy on Amazon. And mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've actually managed to run a virtual reality, virtual reality headset completely without any external power just through charging it. Um, during the day and then using it for a couple of hours. Yeah. So it's it's it is a future scenario, but I'm but I'm I'm very much working on this. And yeah. also saying this, I'm saying this, I'm fully aware that it could also not work out. Like I'm I'm not I'm not fixated on the idea of making this thing happen. I'm fully aware that it it could never work out, and there's so many things that could be stumbling blocks for that kind you of. See, stuff that's to, that's the thing. You're aware you're aware of the process of creation, and you know that you'll see the directions that you can't go. And the more you realize where you can't go, the more more you realize where you should go, and and it's yeah. just going to be an iterative process you go through. I mean, <laughs> you don't get the head of Nvidia like just like anybody, man. Uh, yeah, that that, that makes me wonder. Like, mm. to be honest, for for me, this is this is maybe one thing that I want to give as a as a kind of a yeah as a kind of a um, advice guide, yeah. your advice or as a guide to your uh, listeners. I'm I I got there through passion. To be honest, like I was I was very lucky to be at the right point at the right time. You know, in in Cologne when there was a duct tape prototype of a virtual reality headset. But yeah. what really drove me and what what also made my my professional success like I'm not super successful. Don't get me wrong. Like, um, but I but I have made a little bit of success on a on a professional scale in virtual reality by being a passion by being passionate about it. Um, I'm really and and I think that's what that's what makes the best the best people both in the professional and the personal life is if you have something that you're passionate about it, whether it's a crazy technology like virtual Whether reality it's where baking cakes man like baking anything cakes or 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 making or growing flowers or whatever it might be as yeah. long as you're passionate about it there's no there's no reason for you to hide it and there's no reason to feel like you're weird or you're not accomplishing anything as long as you do something so, with yeah. passion put your energy into into where you're passionate about it, at least success, yeah. I'm, I'm very very I'm, I, I believe this very strongly that if you're passionate about something then uh, success will follow. And in the early days of virtual reality, I was a super weirdo. Like I was talking to people. I was like, <laughs> "Hey guys, you need to experience this." And and people were like giving me weird looks and like, "Oh, what is this guy talking about?" Yeah. And I didn't care. Like I was just passionate about it. And then at some point, well, virtual reality became an industry, and suddenly, boom, I'm one of the experts in the in the field because I've just been very passionate and I read a lot about it. And once you're the best person at baking cakes or the yeah. most passionate person growing flowers, then yeah, the success will follow. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. going to want your flowers. Yeah, absolutely.
Yeah, I, I I wanted to I wanted to understand actually like do you when you were at Nvidia did you focus mainly on the marketing and the publicizing and creating the message or did you code or do you actually create the product and help create the product like what 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 do you what's the skill set that you put into this actually? It's um, a very good question. It was it was so my my role was business development was on my business card, um, which means that essentially I was generating uh, interest for virtual reality in different fields so um, for those for those uh, listeners that don't uh, that don't know this nvidia is a company that makes 3d chips so essentially for video games for 3d rendering for uh, vfx in movies um, those kind of things where you have to render 3d worlds where you have to create 3d worlds and put them on a display and for uh, nvidia uh, virtual reality is essentially another form of a display and when you're using virtual reality and you're using the high-end systems um, you want to have a very powerful pc so for nvidia it's it, it's essentially they're selling 3d graphics cards right mm-hmm. and if you want to create good virtual reality, you want to have a good 3D graphics card. So for them, um, bringing more people onto virtual reality means they're going to sell more graphics cards. Okay. It's a very easy. It's a very easy equation. Easy math, and, yeah. And for me, that that also meant that my my job was mostly when I talk about business development, means bringing more people, getting more people interested in virtual reality, yeah. whether it's, you know, the consumer at home that wants to play the newest games in virtual reality, and for that, he buys an NVIDIA graphics card, or whether it's a company or a corporate that wants to use virtual reality for training their, um, their employees, mm. they will need a strong graphics card. And so essentially, my, my role wasn't to sell GPUs, my to expand the ecosystem to, to expand the virtual reality ecosystem mm. and so for me business development meant that i went to conferences i talked a lot about um the implications of virtual reality and how it can save resources and save money and save time and um, but also talked to developers that wanted to create good experiences and supported them and making those experiences even better by giving them resources that nvidia had like you know marketing resources um development resources maybe a graphics card here and there so that they could work better or have more developers working on making their experiences better so essentially mm-hmm. it was a it was a role um that meant yeah, cr- creating making more people aware of what virtual reality can do for them. And then that indirectly leads to more sales and more business for NVIDIA. Okay, okay. I, I thought maybe you had more to do with the product itself and creating it and uh, or coding at any point, but it's uh, mainly... There's, uh, some, there's some very, very smart engineers at, at NVIDIA that can do that much better than I can. <laughs> I, I mean, I learned, I learned coding when I studied like electrical engineering, but my coding skills are really rusty. And so, you know, my my skill set is more uh, on the on the you know marketing PR and moving things, yeah, yeah, strategy, organizational side, and That's yeah, sweet. inspiring inspiring people and presenting and you know promoting promoting this technology. Essentially, I got yeah. I got paid for for being the missionary for VR. <laughs> <laughs> I said it for free in the beginning. 
that's the dream job. That's the passion. Well, I'll tell you, Dominic, I'm passionate. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. <laughs> you've, you've converted me. <laughs> nice. One more down. Yeah, one more down. It's really, really, really lovely to have had you here, man. I think it's been great. You know, I'm, I'm, I was like, for me, this was a big deal. I'm thinking, like, damn, there's a lot to learn, and and I, I got to absorb a lot. That was. Nice. Uh, that was really nice to have you. Birds chirping were nice. Uh, the trains every now and then were also really fun. I'm I'm gonna go get myself some duct tape right now so I can create my own VR headset. <laughs> but yeah, no, dude, I'd, I, I'd love to talk to you in, in like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think like if we if we do this, um, I usually like to do my midnight talks with people every two years. So like if we can talk again in two to three years, and I want to see like how the the initiative that you started right now with Africa.org in two years or three years where that's going to be and then talk right right then because you did you went through a big shift right now you left Nvidia and yep. you started your own nonprofit and and you're going in that direction and it, it would be nice to to just re-explore you again and in two years or something like that I think that'll be absolutely lovely to have you yeah. again this was amazing. <laughs> Uh, don't don't get me wrong though. Um, this the, the 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 Africa project is something. It's it, by the way, it's Africa.ngo, not .org. That was my dot, fault. Dot .ngo. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, that is that. It's it is still my side project. So right now mm. I'm I'm doing as much as I can whenever I have I have free time. But I do you know I have to pay rent as well. All those work. Um, <laughs> those so physical I, limits that we I will, exist. I will in. start. I will start a a job in the in the XR industry. Okay. Um, pretty soon um i'm kind of right now i have a couple offers from different players in the industry and um yeah i'm taking my time right now to yeah to go through a thorough interview process because i really want to make a good choice and want to stay at that company for for a long time but as much energy as i have um left that will all go into you know inspiring people and actually maybe this might be nice this might be a nice wrap up for um for this podcast um i told you already that this whole project that I'm doing, it might not change the world. It might, there might be some stumbling blocks. I might have to end it at some point, mm. but there's this nice story of when I was in Nigeria and I met a young guy, um, maybe 20 years old, uh, living in Lagos, which is one of the biggest and dirtiest cities in the world. We really have to say that it's a different world. Mm. Um, he was, he saw one of my presentations about virtual reality. And um, afterwards, he come up, came up to me and said, wow, this was so nice. Uh, can I have your Facebook? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Please add me on Facebook. And I never thought about it again. And then um, six months <laughs> later, he writes me a message and says that because I was there, he started learning Unity and he started programming things and not being, you know, having not having to whatever hustle in the streets or sell drugs or whatever he started becoming a developer he started becoming a programmer you changed the life well i didn't i didn't necessarily change a life but i did have an impact and you know even if the project never comes to any fruition if the worst case is that i have this guy in nigeria that started becoming going into tech and probably making more money than he could have otherwise if that's the impact that the project had then this is if that's the worst case scenario <laughs> it's not really that bad yeah i can very well live with that and yeah. and that's something that 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 also you have to always keep in mind if you're starting something and you're you're doubting that it might go anywhere really really look back and look at the tiny little 
tiny little things that you might have shifted in somebody, someone else's lives. And that's a very, very profound thing to do. And that's something to strive for, I think. Honestly, that's a, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. 100%. All right, Dominic, this was uh, amazing. It's been a lovely, lovely talk. Absolutely. Really would love to have you here again at some point. Just let me know. It reminds me, like, I, f I feel like I'm the same as this guy because, like, I just took your Facebook and contacted you six months later <laughs> telling you, yeah, <laughs> let's record. No worries. You're passionate about you're passionate about your podcast, and I really like that. And I wanted to, I uh, wanted to get a give give you a little bit of my time and my energy. And I hope the listeners had a had a good time. And yeah. uh, I mean, if you have any more questions for me, I think you had one more question prepared for me, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, what uh, what would you think your grandchildren would? What do you want your grandchildren to actually think about you when they listen to this episode? Because they're probably going to be hooked on on xr every other moment <laughs> of their lives and it's um, going to be because of what you're doing too so i i thought i actually this was a very good question like usually when i go into podcasts people don't really prepare that well and they don't give any good questions and it's just slow rambling um but this this question really made me think and um when when my grandchildren ever hear this podcast um i would love them to think that i saw things coming like I had a good understanding of where humanity will go to. And I also want them to understand that I'm a very passionate person. And I hope that they'll have the same passion. Hopefully it stays in the family. I'm, I have no <laughs> Yeah. And my grandchildren, if you ever listen to this, don't spend all your time in XR. Please uh, go out in nature and enjoy the birds chirping. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful answer to that. So question. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I I always think about it too. You know, like uh, what would what might they be passionate about? If not technology, hopefully they're passionate uh, about the next step. Uh, and it's nice, yep. of course. It's always nice to see that you're. Although you saw you you saw it coming, and maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't, or maybe not exactly in the way that you saw it. Is that you're still human and you're still just trying your best. That's that's I think the most important thing you're still mortal you're still within all of these limits and you're trying to to have an impact you're trying to create and move things in a direction that you think is more is is better and in, in whatever sense yeah again dominic absolutely lovely to have had you i i i love this conversation i uh, it's gonna energize me for the rest of the week that's uh, amazing <laughs> we need to get all the energy we can get right of course we do all right Khalid, awesome. my absolute pleasure um we'll speak again in a couple of years i guess yeah yeah in two in two years hopefully thank you so much um, take care awesome okay cool dude thanks again enjoy your yoga is if when is it happening in two hours you in said? two hours in two hours yeah oh you're gonna have a ton of fun tell hopefully. me about it once Tell me about it once it's done if you're still alive. We'll do. Is it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. It's definitely intense. You'll sweat like crazy. Yeah, clean my system. Yeah, exactly.